0: It's a good song. Amen. Turn, if you would, tonight to First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. We are thankful, Lord, for the music that we've been able to enjoy, uh, to enjoy and uh, just to have the reminder of that rugged cross and the Savior that you are. Lord, it's so good to be reminded of that. And I pray now that you'd bless the effort to preach your word. I pray that you'd use it, God, to challenge us and to speak to our hearts tonight. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Real quick, are you glad that winter's finally here? Doesn't matter. It's here. Just didn't know if you had a good attitude or a bad attitude. Anyways. Last week, you may remember, we took a week off from our study of 1 Corinthians because it was the Thanksgiving holiday and the special service that we had, and so it's been two weeks since we have been in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I would imagine that with everything that's gone on in the last two weeks, it's probably a little fuzzy in your mind as to what we talked about then, so I just want to remind us very quickly, and then we're going to transition, obviously, into tonight's message. But Paul was talking about, two weeks ago, how it is impossible to identify with the Lord in salvation and at the same time yield yourself to another God and that end well for the individual who tries to do that. He said that that provokes the jealousy of God whenever we as God's people identify with Him and yet yield ourselves to the authority of something other than God in our lives. We need to be reminded... I think over and over again sometimes that God is never satisfied with second place. God is never going to be okay with being in second place in our lives no matter how we may justify it, no matter how we may rationalize it. God wants to be first in our lives and He is the only thing that we are supposed to yield our, uh, or yield to by way of authority. And uh, we just need to be reminded of that. We need to remember that on a regular basis. That in mind, tonight I want to share something with you that I'm confident many of you can identify with. Some of you, not yet, but you will be able to at some point. Most of you know that Nathan and Hannah are licensed drivers in our house. Nathan, almost three years. Hannah, now about six months. And on a regular basis, it seems like one of them is constantly saying, hey, dad, do you mind if I go here? Or, hey, dad, do you mind if we go do this? Sometimes I mind, most times I don't. But here is what I have noticed of myself, and this is what I think you would admit to yourselves if you've had kids who are drivers. You cannot help but say to them as they're walking out the door, be careful. It doesn't matter how many times you've told them that, you just cannot help but say to them one more time, be careful. I tell them to be careful for this reason I want them to be careful. I want them to come back in one piece. I want them to come back with no problems. I want them to come back with no incident. And so I don't care if they've left the house a thousand times before. I will say to them one more time, be careful. I may be a bit overprotective, but there have been times I have said even to their friends as their friends are leaving our house, hey, I want you to be careful. Be careful. Raul comes to our house on a regular basis. He normally stays pretty late in the evening, and and every night that he leaves, I tell him, Raul, I love you. Now, you be careful out there. Because I want him to be careful. It's just that simple. Tyler has gotten the speech before, Hannah's friends have gotten the speech before. Just be careful. Now, as I have repeated that message to the kids over and over and over again, I want us to think about this because of where the message is headed. First of all, I want you to think about this thought that I am not out of line by giving them that message over and over again. I don't care if they get tired of it. I don't care if they say, Dad, we know, be careful. Yeah, you're right. Be careful. And I'm not out of line by saying this to you one more time. And probably if I'm anything like my parents are when they're in their 40s and they're about to leave our house, I'll still say to them, hey, be careful. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to tell you, be careful, because I still care about you because you're still my child. The second thing is this. They're not hurt by hearing it again. You understand this? Not only am I not out of line In repeating it to them, they are not hurt by hearing the message again to be careful. In fact, it could be that time that it actually sinks in, or it could be that time that they've heard it. Maybe for the thousandth time, okay, I do need to be careful, and I do need to be paying attention, so I'm not out of line, and it's not going to hurt them, and it may even be a help to them. Now, why do I say that? I say that for this reason. You know what the Apostle Paul is going to do as we wind up, chapter 10, as it winds down and we transition into a new thought next week? You know what Paul is going to do? He is going to tell them something he's already told them. He is going to labor what's already been labored and he is going to expound to them some of the same things that he has already expounded upon to them. And you know what? As Paul does this again, he's not out of line in doing so. So the people of Corinth may say, Paul, you've already told us this. And you know what Paul would say? Yeah, I know. And it's okay. Okay. Because Paul would say, kind of like a father to his kids, it's not going to hurt you to hear this one more time. And so tonight as I bring the message to us, I want us to understand that I know something, and that is this, is that some of what we're about to discuss, we've heard this already. Haven't we already dealt with this? Didn't you address this a few weeks ago? Yes. But since Paul felt the liberty to address it again and drive home the point one more time, I think it would be good for us as the audience to realize and to admit, okay, this won't hurt us. In fact, this could be very helpful to us. This might be the time we, or at least myself, really get it. Because I don't think we necessarily all got it the first time. You might have, but maybe someone else in the room did not. So we're going to finish chapter 10, and as we do, here's what's going to be the subject. Here is what will be the topic of conversation, and it's going to be the subject of meat offered unto idols. Now again, this has been talked about, this has been addressed, this has been dealt with, it's been turned over. I I mean, Paul has talked about this extensively, but again, he's going to deal with this because he's not just dealing with the idea of whether or not you can eat meat offered unto idols, he's trying to get them to understand a bigger, broader picture. And so notice in verse number 23, what the Apostle Paul said to the right, or to the uh, audience, the believers there in Corinth. He said, "All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient." All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Now we know what it means, do we not, whenever Paul said to the Corinthians that all things were lawful? What Paul was saying is this, is that if the Word of God has not dealt with this specifically, if the Word of God has not dealt with this in an exact context, in an exact manner, if God has not specified this and, and just focused in on this This individual item, if the scripture in a sense has been silent on the matter, then what Paul said to the audience is, it's lawful, you're allowed to do it. And though the context is dealing with the subject of eating meat offered unto idols, I I want to remind us tonight that that principle is wide open for you and I this evening. That if the Word of God does not deal with something explicitly and specifically, then it is up to us as to whether or not we do something that we may be inclined to do. We call that Christian liberty. Now, if we're honest, here's what most of us would have to admit. The subject of Christian liberty makes many of us nervous. Because what might this person do with the Christian liberty that the Bible gives them? Because many times what, what we really believe, whether we would ever express it or not, is this, is that we pretty much know the parameters and the boundaries of where Christian liberty is supposed to stop. And anyone who would go past that, well, they're not in the will of God. But that's not the way Christian liberty works. Now, let's listen to this, okay? Christian liberty is simply, I get to make the choice when the Scripture does not speak to the matter or speak to the subject. So that is within my realm of authority to make the call on this matter. So whether it be the subject of eating meat offered unto idols or anything else, if God has not addressed it in His Word, if God has not spoken to it specifically, then we can do what we want, As that is so, we cannot cut out the rest of the verse. He said, all things are lawful, twice, but just because it's lawful, it does not mean that it is expedient or that it edifies. So what does it mean for something to be expedient and to edify? It means this, that though it may be lawful, it may not be best. You can do this, but that may not be the best thing for you. Yes, you have the freedom to do this, and yes, you have the right to do this, but just know that that may not be the best thing for you or the best thing for your family or for the the, the best for your spiritual development, whatever it may be. Yes, you can do this. You can do it. But that may not be the best thing for you, and at the same time, That may not be what edifies you or someone else. What does it mean to edify? It means to build up. So this may not be in your best interest from a spiritual standpoint. Can you do it? Yes, you can. Can I point you to a scripture that says, Thou shalt not? No, I can't. But Paul said just because you have the liberty to do it, you need to understand It may not be best, it may not be profitable, it may not be the most helpful, and it will not build you up. So you have to remember this, Paul said. Again, things we've heard already in this series, right? Okay, so Paul, in saying that, moves on in verse number 24 to make this statement. While we have Christian liberty, let no man seek his own But every man another's wealth. Now, whenever Paul writes of wealth, we've got to understand that he's not talking about financial wealth or financial uh, incomes or degrees, okay? What he's talking about is one's well being or one's profit. So he said that as believers, here is what we're supposed to do, that we are not supposed to seek our own well-being or our own profit or what would benefit us, but every man another's well-being or what would profit them. Now, if this begins to sound vaguely familiar, then we probably would admit that it also begins to sound vaguely painful. For what reason? For this reason. Paul is reminding them, you can do this, but in doing so, you need to remember that you're not allowed to just think about yourself. You have to think about others and how it affects them and how this impacts them. It's not just about what you want to do and how this benefits or profits you. No, you have to think about someone other than yourself. And let's be honest tonight that there are so many times that we want to exercise our Christian liberty. And in doing so, we don't want to think about anyone else and how it may affect them. Right. Yes. See, here's what happens. I know we've touched on this before, but, but we say things like this. Well, that's none of, my buis- or that's none of their business. That's not really my problem. But see, as a Christian, if I'm going to be mature, if I'm going to have some depth about myself, here's what I do. I check my liberty and I put it to a stop when it begins to be all about me and I'm no longer thinking about other people. And again, I'm telling you, in the realm of Christianity today, so many people are so worried about their rights and their freedoms and their liberties and what they're allowed to do, and the moment you mention, well, how does that affect someone else, many times they look at you, shrug their shoulders, and say something like, what's that got to do with anything? Well, that should have everything to do about us. Just because we can doesn't mean we should, especially if we're not mindful of another person's well-being or another person's profit from what we're doing. See, notice in verse number 25, in getting to the illustration and the topic that he's been dealing with, he said, "...whatsoever is sold in the shambles or the marketplace that eat." asking no question for conscience sake for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof what Paul said is this is now listen when it's time to go to the market and buy meat don't ask the guy who's selling it where it came from don't ask don't tell just go to the market buy the meat take it home and don't worry about it it belongs to the Lord in and of itself it's not an issue just just don't even worry about it don't make a big deal out of this but notice in verse number 27, if any of them that believe not, okay, is one who is not a believer, bid you or invite you to a feast, and ye be deposed to go. What does it mean, deposed to go? It means you've been invited to a feast, and maybe you feel obligated to go, or maybe you even have a desire to go. He said, Whatsoever is set before you, eat. Asking no question for conscience sake. So the scenario is if you go to the market, don't ask the person, hey, where did this meat come from? Just don't do it. It belongs to the Lord. Just eat it. Shut up. Don't ask any questions. If you're invited to a party and you feel like you need to go or you want to go for whatever reason, whatever they put in front of you, don't ask any questions. Just eat it. Keep your mouth shut. For your conscience sake, just just don't ask. But, he said in verse number 28, If any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it. And for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's, And the fullness thereof. Now what does that mean? It simply means this. And and again, you know this, but I want to make sure that we're understanding this. So if you go to this feast, if you go to this place where you've been invited by an unsaved person and they set some meat in front of you, don't say anything, don't ask anything, just eat it. But if someone opens their mouth and says, Hey, do you know what? This meat's been offered unto idols. Don't eat it. It's not that anything has changed with the meat, but he said you don't want to do so for the sake of that person's conscience. See, in verse number 29, he said, Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. You see this? It's still the principle of thinking about someone else. So you've gone to this party, the food's been served, everything looks delicious. You can't wait to tear into the meat. I mean, you're salivating over how well it's been prepared, how well it looks. It, it, it's just something that you are ready to dive into, and your friend from church nudges you and says, Did you know that that was offered unto idols? Regardless of what you think, you push it aside and you don't eat it. Not because you can't handle it, but because the conscience of the other person can't handle it. They'll be offended by what you're about to do if you partake of it. And so notice what he said in verse number 29 by way of question for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience for if i by grace be a partaker why am i evil spoken of for he that which i give for that which i give thanks now now what he's asking is this not why can't i but why would i want to do something that would cause my liberty to be evil spoken of. You understand what Paul's saying? We need to listen to this. Paul is saying that there will be people who cannot handle the liberty you have and rather than them just accepting it and moving on, they will speak evil of the liberty that you enjoy. And that's not what it's about. Do you know that Paul's exactly right? Sometimes, whenever we're not worried about the profit and the benefit of other people and we're only worried about ourselves, And so we go ahead and flex our muscles of Christian liberty because we're not going to worry about what everyone else thinks and we're not going to worry about what everyone else says. Did you know that sometimes when we flex our muscles of Christian liberty, other people can't handle it, so therefore they speak evil of the liberty that we enjoy? It happens. Somebody says, well, that's their problem, not our problem. No, it's our problem as much as it is their problem because he said in verse number 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. See, here's Paul reminding the believers of Corinth that whatever we do, our goal should be to bring glory to God. We want to bring glory to God. We want to bring honor to God. We want God's name to be magnified. We want God's name to be lifted up. We want God to be glorified in everything that we do, whether it be eating or drinking or anything else. Now, if you think about this, if we're going to flex our muscles and we're going to exercise our Christian liberty and we're going to give occasion for someone else to speak badly or evil of us, then here is what it becomes impossible to do. It becomes impossible for us to give glory unto God if we're so consumed with our own Christian liberty that we don't care how it affects anyone else. (laughs) Are are, Are we buying into this at all? If it's me, 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 and I don't care about any of you, whoever the you people may be, if I am so consumed with my Christian liberty and I don't care about the conscience of anyone else, it is impossible for my life to then bring glory and honor unto the Lord. I cannot be selfish and consumed with my desires, and at the same time glorify God. Now again, I I want us to think about this just very quickly, and and we won't be here a long time, but but I want us to think about this. There are so many people who really throw words of of advice like this, in the word of God, such as this, that they just toss it aside, like, well, that doesn't apply to me, and I'll live like I want to live, And they honestly believe that everything is fine in their representation of who God is. And it's not. So in verse number 32, he says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Don't do anything that would be an offense to someone else. Just don't do it. You don't want to offend the Jews. You don't want to offend the Gentiles. You don't want to offend people in the church. Don't do anything that you know would be an offense. He said in verse number 33, Even as I please all men in all things, Not seeking mine own profit. Paul's not being a wishy-washy individual when he says what he says. He's not being a man who lacks conviction. He's not being that person who doesn't know how to take his stand. What he is saying is this, I will do whatever I can to not be an offense to anyone. I will do whatever it takes to not offend anyone, because it's not about my prophet, but he says, but the prophet of many, that they may be saved. Does this theme sound familiar? Paul is saying, I will do whatever it takes And I will sacrifice my own Christian liberty so as not to offend anyone so that hopefully there might be some who will be saved. You know what Paul is suggesting? He is suggesting this, that a person can exercise their Christian liberty to such an extent that it could actually be a stumbling block to a lost person which would then cause them to not be saved. Because a lost person might look at a person who is exercising their Christian liberty and say something like this, Well, I mean, there's not much of a difference between what you do and what I do, so why would I need what you've got? You you know, I mean, you look a lot like me, you talk a lot like me, your habits are a lot like mine, your addictions are a lot like mine, what you engage in by way of entertainment is very similar to mine, and, and so why would I need what you've got? Our Christian liberty can actually stand in the way of someone coming to know Christ as their Savior. So Paul said, I'm not going to offend anyone intentionally. I'm not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. So here's a recap. Believers in Corinth, you can do what you want. You can. You have that liberty, you have that right, but just because you have that liberty doesn't mean it's best, doesn't mean it's profitable, and doesn't mean that it'll help anybody or anything along the way. You can do it, but you've got to remember this. It is your responsibility as a believer To not be consumed with what profits you, but with what profits other people. So when you go to the market, don't ask and just be ignorant, and you'll be fine. If you go to a party, just eat whatever they put in front of you and just enjoy it. But if someone says it was offered unto an idol, you push it back because you don't want to offend the brother. Do you have the liberty to do so? Yes, you can. But you don't want that liberty to be something that would cause them to speak evil of you because when they're speaking evil of you, then what it does is it makes it impossible for God to be glorified when one person is exercising liberty and the other person's ripping them apart for doing such a thing. So as best you can, you give no offense to the Jew, the Gentile, or anyone in the church, and and you do kind of like what I've done. You try to live a life that is pleasing to others, not because it benefits you, but because it can benefit the lost and some might be saved. As I was reading and as I was preparing for the message tonight, I, I read an author that I like to read on a regular basis. And in his book, he said this, that several years ago, he was listening to a preacher preach this passage. Now, I wouldn't do this, and I'm not going to do this tonight, so don't think anything weird is about to happen. But he said at the conclusion of the message that this preacher preached, he opened it to the floor for testimonies from the audience. For men and women to stand and identify things that they had given up in hopes of being a more effective witness for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He just opened it up to the floor for people to stand up and say, What have you given up by way of your Christian liberty things that you know could be a stumbling block or an offense to others, you were willing to give it up because you didn't want to stand in the way of someone else coming to know Christ. And the author said this, out of the entire congregation, one person stood up and identified something. Now, I don't know what motivated the one to stand and the rest to not stand. I don't know, and I don't even want to speak to that tonight. But I would like to ask us this question. What have we given up? What have we sacrificed? By way of our Christian liberty and things that we could do, what what have we as God's people been mature enough to say, you know, I could do that, but I'm not going to, because it's just not worth it? What in my life have I been willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that, because I don't want to offend someone outside the church, and I don't want to offend someone inside the church? What have I given up because I've thought to myself, you know, that this could stand in the way of of someone seeing their need of salvation. I'm not saying you haven't. But I'm just saying this, that if you're anything like me and if we're anything like, like what the majority of Christianity seems to be, I think if we were honest, most of us would have to say something like this, Many times that doesn't even enter our train of thought. Could what I'm doing right now be an offense? We don't even think about it. Because the idea of thinking about someone other than ourselves is a foreign concept in our day to day. What have we given up? And what have we been willing to sacrifice by way of Christian liberty because the last thing that we would want to do is be an offense to someone that would keep God from getting the glory in our lives or the last thing we would want to do is do something that would keep someone from being saved. Have we given up anything? Is there anything that we ought to give up? Should we at least consider the idea that just maybe there's something that we could give up, that we ought to give up. It's just a thought. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening, I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who are willing to at least consider the question. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would show us if there are things that we need to work on, things that we need to be willing to give up. And God, maybe we just need to shift the attention off ourselves. We need to stop worrying about us all the time and our family and our wants and our desires. Lord, maybe we need to just admit that all too often we don't think of the others and the ramifications of our actions in their lives. So I pray that you'd help us tonight to consider that. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.